If you take any well-being measure for individuals, and that is earning potential, the likelihood of going to school and graduating from school, getting a job, keeping a job, being healthy, when we get um, sick, going to the hospital and recovering successfully, um, exercising well. I mean, pick any well-being measure. The research time and time and time again tells us that married people, men and women, do better on average in every one of those measures of well-being than people who are single, divorced, cohabiting, regardless of what it is. Some interesting findings from a scientific point of view on the value of marriage, going as far as the health benefits of being married. This is Focus on the Family, and today's program is going to highlight the divine institution of marriage, giving clarity from a biblical standpoint, as well as the sociological advantages. Graham, Marriage is one of the core pillars of Focus on the Family's ministry, and I know you're passionate about this topic because you see the statistics on marriage in our country, and you understand the need for marriage to be modeled in society in order to change the topography of our country in terms of family. Yeah, absolutely. I love that marriage is God's plan for us. It's this gift to us, and it's the sacred thing where we more fully bear the image of God himself in marriage because of the intimacy and the unity and community it holds. And unfortunately, our marriage rate in South Africa is very low. And then that leads to the majority of kids being born outside of the God-designed boundary of family. And that's concerning. Well, you had the opportunity to chat with Glenn Stanton when you were last in the States. And he's certainly someone who's given much of his life's work to helping marriages and family. Let's go now to that conversation and hear what he had to say. In South Africa, our marriage rate is very low. Only 30% of marriage age people are married, which is incredibly low compared to other countries around the world. And while we want to do everything that we can to help married couples thrive in their marriages, uh, we're really concerned with the statistic because it represents the majority of people that are just not getting married. And we know that marriage is God's design. It's his first institution, and it's a beautiful gift to us. And so part of what we feel is our mandate is focus on the family is not only to help marriages thrive, but also to promote marriage, promote the value of this incredible institution. And joining us today to help us do just that is Glenn Stanton. Glenn is the Director of Family Formation Studies at Focus on the Family in the United States. He debates and lectures extensively on issues of gender, sexuality, marriage, and parenting at universities and churches around the world. He also served the George W. Bush administration for many years as a consultant on increasing fatherhood involvements in the Head Start program. He's the author of eight books on marriage and families and also the co-writer of Irreplaceable, which is a, a film that was seen in many churches around South Africa when we did a campaign uh, to launch that as a, a church screening throughout the country and co-author and creator of the Family Project, which really followed that, and that's a, a DVD curriculum that was produced by Focus on the Family. So, Glenn, it really is a privilege to have you with us. Thanks for joining us for Focus on the Family Africa. You, you bet, Graham. Good to be with you. It's my honor. Well, we want to make a case for the value and importance of marriage, both from a biblical perspective, but also from a scientific or sociological perspective. Maybe let's start with the biblical. Why is marriage important to God? 
Well, first of all, I mean to say it's such an important topic because marriage, if you will, is in a way what creates humanity and what shapes humanity. And that's what we're going to talk about. But we do need to start talking about marriage from a biblical perspective. When we open the first page of Scripture, we start to read about God creating, and he creates all parts of creation, and they're amazing. But then we get to this one particular part later in chapter 1 where God says, let us create man in our image according to our likeness. This is the first time that God kind of anticipates what he's going to do. He announces what he's going to do. And he says he's going to create this thing that bears his likeness and image. Those two yeah. words, likeness and image, they um, bring to mind the, the literal Hebrew words are like a statue kind of thing or a photograph. They're, they're yeah. images. Yeah. They're not the thing, but they're images yeah. of the thing. And then God says, in the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. Yeah. And so he creates these two beings, male and female. And what is the first thing he calls them to do? It's not to found a business, a church, a school, anything like that. It's to found a family. It says God blesses them and mm -hmm. calls them to go forth and multiply. Yeah. Now, God's not a big fan of premarital sex, so he's <laughs> got to do something before they start procreating. And that's that word blessing. Yeah. So when we create something, somebody creates something like this pen right here, yeah. and you create it, and then you start writing with it, that's the message that that's what it was created for. Yeah. And so when we see that, yes, marriage is the first thing that God does with the first two people as his imagers, mm. we have to think somehow marriage itself shows forth the image of God. And it does, because God is not singular just in heaven. Yeah. He is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. They are one divine being, but three mm. separate beings. Let us. Exactly, yeah. let us. And But every husband and wife is one flesh, but they're two separate individuals. So we start to see, yeah. if you will, this human Trinitarian kind of thing. And then we go farther into the New Testament in Ephesians, where Paul says he's talking about marriage, and he goes, this great mystery, and what I'm talking about here, Paul says, is the relationship between Christ and his church is like the relationship between a husband and a wife. Yeah. That's huge. I yeah. mean, does marriage matter? Yes. It's just like the relationship of Christ and his church, who Christ went to the cross for. And in an interesting way, in a gospel sort of way, the cross itself is a wedding invitation. The groom kneels down and asks for his bride's hand. Christ went into a subservient position on the cross, which was his kneeling down, laying his life down and saying, I am giving everything for you, my dear bride, which is all of us that he invites us to come into the church. So it's interesting. Does Christianity have something significant to say about the church? Oh my goodness, it does. Yeah. 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 Well, interestingly, then my next question is, is marriage a Christian institution? Well, now, see, I'm going to sound a little psychotic here 
because everything that I've just laid out is, yes, that's the Christian story. But uniquely, and this is so important for Christians to understand, that marriage is not a Christian institution. Well, Glenn, what do you mean by that? I mean, (laughs) did you bump your head? Do you not know what's going on? Well, the issue is, if marriage were a Christian institution, it would only go back as far as Pentecost, where the Christian church started. If it were a Christian institution, it would only exist in those cultures where missionaries have gone and had influence, okay? But marriage is what the theologians call a common grace. It is a divine institution. God created it. He gave it to us, but he gave it to all peoples. Mm -hmm. It would sort of be like, is love a Christian thing or is water a Christian thing? You know, God created it. It's a gift he gives to us, but he gave it to all of humanity. And this takes us then quickly in an anthropological direction, the study of man and how man structures his life, Um, marriage is an anthropological institution, and there is no society anywhere, Graham, that has existed for any time without the institution of marriage. And that's Mm -hmm. a big, big statement, and we can unpack that, but we need to understand that, yes, marriage is a divine institution. It's very important to God, central to him, but it is not a Christian institution in that narrower sense. So whether or not we are Christians, we we are image bearers of God. Right. And and we do that more effectively, if I can use that word, within marriage because we are representing him male and female united in that institute of marriage. It's it's the coming together together of the male and female into one flesh. And now I always get this question, well, I'm not married, I'm single, and I've never been married. Can I not be then a part of the image of God? And I will always ask, well, are you a clone baby? (laughs) Or did you come from the love of a mother and a father? Well, yes, of course I have a mother and a father. Maybe I don't know them. Maybe I've never met my father. But yes, I'm the product of the love of a mother and a father. Well, then you know what? You are part of that divine slash human trinity. My wife is a separate being than me, but we are one flesh. Our kids are separate beings than we are, but we are one flesh. So there is that kind of human trinity there that reflects the divine trinity of of God himself. And that's very important. And that is true of everybody, believers or not, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Well, then is marriage, is it a personal thing? Is it a a decision that I just make? Um, or, Or is it something that actually we're called to? See, Graham, that's another very, very important question because we think even in our culture today, especially in the United States with the issue of same-sex marriage and things like that, they'll say, well, you Christians can just go have your own kind of marriage. And they'll also say, how does, you know, from the same-sex person, how does my same-sex marriage impact your marriage? As if marriage is just this private institution that has no impact on everybody else. And here's the bottom line. Anybody who thinks that marriage is purely a private institution, it is a private institution. It's this man and woman who decide to commit themselves to one another, and they have this private wedding for their family and friends. But marriage is a public thing. And anybody who doesn't understand 
that marriage is a public institution does not understand what marriage is. Mm. Let me explain it this way. Every society from the beginning of time, and anthropologists know of no time in human history that there wasn't marriage. Okay. I mean, you you think about like the Stone Age or the Bronze Age. Those things mean at this point, humans started using stones as tools yeah. or malleable metals to turn in. After they did it, before they yeah. did not. There There's is no not a marriage, marriage. age. Okay. And it's interesting. One of the greatest anthropologists, Edward Westermark, he says that it seems probable that marriage has just arisen out of primeval habit, okay. meaning we don't know when it started. And well, for we us do. As, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. For us as Christians, and this yeah. is what I say in my talks, is like it's almost as if the first two people ever created were made for marriage. Yeah. And it really is remarkable that our biblical story really does kind of match with the best scientific. But the reason that he's saying, essentially, as long as there has been humanity, there has been marriage, yeah. it really comes down to this. And this is important, and we can explain this, but marriage exists anthropologically or sociologically because of male sexuality, because of the nature of male sexuality. Well, that's interesting. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we said marriage exists humanly because of male sexuality. Male sexuality tends to be more opportunistic than female sexuality. Yeah. It's interesting that the male is not inclined to stick with necessarily the woman that he is engaged with sexually. Okay. He has more interest to go over here, over there. He's like the bumblebee, yeah. you know? Yeah. The woman is more inclined to, okay, now I'm pregnant. This is my baby. I've yeah. got to care for it. It's going to be in my womb for nine months. And she's more inclined to want a man that's going to stick with her yeah. that long. That and then afterward, exactly. Yeah. So every society has needed to find a way that the male that is engaged with this woman that could conceivably impregnate her, we need to find a way to connect that man to the woman so that the rest of us in society don't have to raise that child yeah. and that this woman is protected. Now, let's look at the original um, meanings of the marital word, yeah. um, matrimony. Yeah. It comes from the Latin, the prefix there, matra, maternal, matrilineal. It has to do with the woman. And then the the suffix on that, moni, is like alimony. Basically, what matrimony means is of the concern for the mother. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's remarkable. Matrimony yeah. exists for the woman to protect her, yeah. to care for her. It's an obligation. It's an obligation. That's exactly right. And that goes to the other word, husband. Yeah. Husband it speaks about the male, and it's an old Norse word that is basically house bond. Hus, you know, their yeah. language, hus bond. What it means is 
that this man, the husband, becomes a house bond. Yeah. He binds himself now to this one household. He can't be a bumblebee anymore. Yeah. He says, and society says, you have to commit yourself to this woman and these children under this roof, and you become the husband. So that goes back to marriage must exist because male sexuality exists. Male sexuality is not, if you will, domesticated. It is not inclined to settle down. Um, And so marriage does settle the male down. It attaches the male to this woman, makes him provide for her, and makes him protect and provide for their common children. So the anthropology and the sociology essentially backs up God's design. Absolutely. And that's the amazing thing, Graham, for the work that I get to do here is in one hand, I'm reading scripture. And on the (laughs) other side over here, I'm looking at the just way secular anthropology And if you read it honestly, and if the good anthropologists are just telling you about what they observe, these two things tell the same story. (laughs) So we know it's God's design. We know it's his beautiful, creative gift to us. And Mm -hmm. we know that even throughout history, it's been backed up through anthropology and sociology. And what difference does it make in society when people are arguing, why even get married? Yes. My first book that I wrote back in the 90s was on that very topic, Why Marriage Matters. And it was a sociological look at um, what is it that marriage provides. And we need to break that down, Graham, into sort of the public good and then the personal good. Let's start with the personal good. What I was finding through the sociological research is that if if you take any well-being measure for individuals, and that is earning potential, the likelihood of going to school and graduating from school, getting a job, keeping a job, mm-hmm. being healthy, when we get um, sick, going to the hospital and recovering successfully, um, exercising well, I mean, pick any well-being measure, the research time and time and time again tells us that married people, men and women, do better Mm -hmm. on average in every one of those measures of well-being than people who are single, divorced, cohabiting, regardless of what it is. And it's interesting that, you know, what the first thing God gave humans to do to be married... um, guess what? It works out best for humans. I mean, this is another interesting thing that there was some great research out of the University of Chicago in the early 90s that even sexual satisfaction, they said, you know, curiously, we didn't expect to find this, but the most sexually satisfied people physically and emotionally are married people who have never known any other sexual partner but their spouse. And so, I mean, That's such a pulpit pounding, you know, (laughs) kind of truth that does marriage matter? Oh my goodness, you ask the scientists and they'll tell you that if you want to live a good, happy, healthy, long life, marriage people live longer. I mean, marriage makes that difference. Do you think, I mean, that's part of our role and what we want to do is promote the value of marriage. Uh, but I get the sense that that story, outside of what we wanted to do, is focus on the family. Yeah. And as a Christian organization that recognizes the God imprint of marriage, right. 
uh, is that that story's not being told. I don't see that scientific research being right. shown how how good this thing of marriage is to the individual and to the society. Well, it's interesting. The irony there is there's, I mean, a number of secular researchers that have said when they're trying to write popularly in their books, they'll say, this is one of the biggest good news stories about humanity and nobody is telling the yeah. story. And yeah. we had focus on the family. I mean, that's the story that we need to be telling. Yeah. The other is that's the benefit for, for men and women, but yeah. children as well. Sure. I mean, every well-being measure that you can imagine, if you were to break it down by marital status of the child's parents, kids with married moms and dads, again, do consistently better. Now, that doesn't mean that kids who are growing up in unmarried homes or a man and a woman who is not married or divorced means that they are set for doom. Sure. It just means they have a number of rocks in their backpack of yeah. life, and it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, but on average, those folks tend to do better. Now, in understanding the social nature of marriage, when we understand the benefit that it gives to men, women, and children, yeah. now say in your own neighborhood, I mean, in a, in a one kilometer area, yeah. if you had a high percentage of married homes, hmm. those are homes that are more likely going to be employed, making good money, their kids being well-educated, the individuals being well-educated, um, them not using drugs and things like that. Domestic violence is going to be lower. Yeah. They are going to be able to take care of themselves and the government is not going to have to take care of them. The sociology tells us that if you have a large neighborhood and 90% of the people in that community are married, um, poverty is almost going to be nil. Wow. And so, I mean, when you think, well, what does marriage have to do with society? The social scientists who know this will kind of roll their eyes and like, are you serious? Yeah. I mean, it marriage determines mm. more than anything else, employment, education, or even race, the health and well-being of every society. Now, as we are coming towards a close, this is maybe it. A difficult one, but why doesn't cohabitation, as you mentioned, do these important things for family? And I wrote a book a number of years ago, The Ring Makes All the Difference, yeah. and it is really a research-based case for why cohabitation does not do this. And that's yeah. the fascinating thing to me, because in cohabitation, you yeah. have a man and a woman living together. They are, quote-unquote, you know, committed to one another, yeah. but the research on cohabitation from mainstream scholars, there is, I mean, in sociology, Graham, it's, it's very rare that you can say all the time or always, yeah. but there is no research whatsoever from mainstream sociologists that say there's any relational or human well-being benefit to yeah. cohabitation. Wow. Because it, it's, it all comes down to the relationship. Cohabitation is the hedging of your bets. You know, it's, yeah. it's I want to live with you. I want to have sex with you. I want you to cook my food and wash my clothes. <laughs> I want to be able to snuggle with you on the couch in the evening. 
but I don't want to fully commit. That changes the way this man and woman commit to one another. And it does not mirror marriage. In fact, it's interesting in chapter seven of um, The Ring Makes All the Difference, I talk about how cohabitation even harms women more than it harms men because women are more committed to stability and they think cohabitation is going to be, if you will, the conveyor belt or the escalator taking their guy to marriage. Well, the guy, and this has shown up in research, if you separate cohabiting people out and scholars have done this, you take cohabiting men and women, you send the women over here and the men over there in that room and you ask them, where is your relationship going? One group is more likely to say, and again, scholars have found this, well, we're going to get married one day. We're just kind of trying to work it out. And another group is saying, you know what? We're just taking it easy, just seeing how it is. There is a gender difference there. The women are the one that's saying, yep, marriage is in the future. The men are like hanging out. But what this means for the women is that they are holding on to a false hope. They are being duped which is very, very unfortunate. Wow, Glenn Stanton has certainly enlightened me today. He's definitely put in a great amount of research on the subject of marriage and why human beings have been created for this kind of union. And there was a lot packed into the program today. Uh, Perhaps you missed some of the key points as the conversation unfolded. So please do remember that you can listen to our daily broadcast on our website at safamily.co.za, via the podcast, or on our Focus Africa app. And the resource we're recommending today is written by Focus President Jim Daly and titled Marriage Done Right. One man, one woman. Jim draws on his years spent listening to the marital questions of radio callers, his own life, and the enduring wisdom of the Gospels, to bring readers key secrets of successful, long-lasting marriages. You'll find that on our website at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300. Thank you for being with us today. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.